comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome back to the Walking Dead TV Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Craig, Rich, and Jim, right from the beginning. How you guys all doing? hey It's such a perfect day, and I just want to spend it with you. Well, you, you lucked out, because we're here. Uh, Aaron can't make it tonight. He uh, he has uh, a little movie. I don't even know if we can say what movie he's going to see, but m- let me put it this way. Aaron is a film reviewer for you know a living, and he's seeing a movie I'm really jealous about him getting to see yes, tonight. Yes, me too, because the book was awesome there that oh i hope they didn't give it away what was the magic my double xl <laughs> no and it, it's not the earthling either mm-hmm. hints and hints and clues all over the place but uh last week craig you weren't with us because you were at a wedding so yeah. you sent me your thoughts to read about <laughs> last week's episode and then in the cacophony that last was last week's episode I completely <laughs> forgot so why don't you relate to the listeners what you thought of the dog well well thank you at, yeah, wait, the, wait let's let some of our listeners go look up cacophony really quick <laughs> that's definitely a five dollar word yeah. no okay, I, they're I, back I, they're back all right go ahead <laughs> I gave this episode a 3.75 Toby's out of five again this is last week's show the dog uh it had some you know serious problems again but i like the overall sense of suspense i felt while watching it it felt like they're building up to something big this season which is good i mean there's a lot of things i liked about it uh the clark's playing monopoly was kind of cool the salazar scenes uh there was a very cool shot of the power grid failing all the things you guys kind of touched on on the show um some things i didn't like obviously the bad green screen cgi and the pickup i watched that over again the episode and it was funny not only was the green screen bad in that pickup but their hair wasn't even moving i don't know if you guys said that or not but so they couldn't rent a fan and just blow it on them as they were in the back of the pickup truck it made no sense but uh, it really um, mike, definitely real quick in the in reference to that specific scene mike jones posted on our yeah. facebook group the actual picture of them filming that scene and it was indeed really you know it was indeed stagehands rocking a stationary car. <laughs> I, I mean, they couldn't rent an industrial-sized fan and just blow it on them. The, the car had to be going 25 or 30 at least. I mean, it's, I don't know, definitely crazy. Uh, Alicia being kept in the dark, no good reason for that. I didn't put a note there. Um, you know, some bad acting by Chris Manawa, a.k.a. Lorenzo James Henry, just really Thank bad you. acting on his part. 
and I didn't understand why they were why they were still trying to reason with and talk to the walkers. I mean, they both know that these things are dead, Travis and Madison, that is, yet they're still trying to talk to them as they're coming at them. Makes no sense, but overall, I enjoyed the show, despite the technical and writing flaws that may have been, but my last note was, there better be some zombie carnage and some action soon, or I predict the ratings will continue to drop off. So that was where... That was my review of last week's episode, which didn't make it in. And we don't actually have the ratings for this week, so we can't say whether you're correct or not, because they haven't been released yet. But still on the subject of last week, uh, we, we do have one other thing to get to, and that is, look, we're podcasters, we do our best, and we're trying to balance, generally speaking, three things. Being informative, um, being honest, and being entertaining. Sometimes getting that balance right, particularly when you're trying to balance those three things for three, four, five, six, whatever amount of people it is, sometimes the balance doesn't work for everybody involved or everybody listening or, you know, some combination of that. So last week there were some comments from various people about whether that balance was on or off, whether they liked the particular mix of last week's episode or whether they didn't. Um, and to the man who really mixed up last week's episode, uh, what you, you had some things you wanted to say about that. So I give you the floor now, Rich. Okay, well, I just wanted to, in, in exactly what you said, Sometimes we're going to talk about things we agree, we don't agree. The listener's the listener, I'm me, and you know that's that's just how the ball rolls. And I'm not I'm not going to apologize for anything I said last week because I stand behind it. The first three episodes have been terrible, and I'm not I you know I won't get back into it. I'm just highly disappointed. All right, I'm very passionate about The Walking Dead. I've been a fan of the franchise from the comic to television to video games to this spinoff. And I expect for what we have received on all those other fronts from this property, something at least presentable. Not like what Craig talked about there with the... Couldn't even get a fan. I'm disappointed. However... There is one thing I want to say about the podcasting. If you've heard me on this show before, if you've heard me on DCTV, LOD, or back in my nerd herd days, when I I like something, I gush on it, I, I totally go positive, 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 but if there's something wrong, I'm going to put it out there. So I do think that I could have balanced it better last week, but that's all I'll say there. Because some people actually tweeted me or messaged me that they liked it. So, you know. They liked it so much they made, a, they made a meme of you, didn't they? Yes, <laughs> they made a meme of me. You, you've now been memeified. Congratulations. Hi, my <laughs> name is Jim. I'm the vo- resident voice of reason here at the LOD Network. And... I keep telling you, Aaron's the voice of reason. You're the voice of God. No, that's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I know we sound a lot alike, you know. Morgan and I go way back, but anyway, look. They look a lot. You know what the? Too. You know what the? Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks so much. I, I wish I would I, take that as a compliment. I, wish I looked that good one. I hope I am. When I live to be, never mind. The most boring podcast to listen to in the world would be a podcast where all we did was just totally agree on every point, and just you know uh, heaped praise upon praise upon praise upon the show. When the show is good. We do. When the show is, is missing and misfiring, we call those shots too, you know? That's what makes it interesting to listen to. If we were all just, you know, uh, a mutual admiration society of Pollyannas talking about Walking Dead and 
Um, you know, that would be a very boring podcast to listen to. Um, I agree, you know, the first three episodes have been kind of lackluster. If you listen to other podcasts or read any of the other fan press, I'm not the only one to say so. Um, it's, it's kind of a consensus that it's not all it could have been. So, um, we like to have the consent, different, uh, dissenting opinions. That's what makes for good conversation. That's what makes for good back and forth on a podcast. And that's why you listen. So if you don't agree, that's fine, you know, but you're bound to, you're bound to find somebody you agree with among the four or five of us, you know. And if you just want to hear me say positive things, well then you're in for a treat tonight. <laughs> This um, episode has turned the corner. Well, I mean, I could say I was a listener last week because I did miss the show, and I listened to it the next day. I guess Tuesday it was up on, on you know, for to, to download, and it You're was very welcome. entertaining. That was a long edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you must have got no sleep that night, but I gotta tell I really you right did. now, I mean, it was an entertaining show, and I even, I even texted you, Jordan. You can say that it's more interesting when we don't agree and there's different points of view it actually makes it really interesting even if it takes a while to edit and it got a little what'd you call it what was the word you used i didn't i, I totally forgot that word cacophony <laughs> cacophony yes exactly that one <laughs> but really honestly it was a good show i mean speaking objectively for the one show anyway so uh thank you for mixing it up richard appreciate that okay so with that out of the way let's move on to talking about this week's episode season one episode four of fear the walking dead not fade away which was uh, directed by Carrie Scogland and written by Megan Oppenheimer, or Megan Oppenheimer. I don't know exactly how she pronounces that. And it first aired on September 20th, 2015. And yes, that is a different director than the first three episodes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gotta say, that is the perfect title for this episode because if something didn't happen, for me, it was going to fade away. And I really enjoyed this episode, for the most part. Very well shot. The lighting was so much better. It seemed to be, the cinematography just seemed on point. The edit made more sense. And then on top of that, they, they actually tried this new thing this week. It's only been out for a little while. I think it's called character development. They really, really packed it in this week. Um, I was very impressed in comparison to the first three episodes. So we open the episode on a shot of a fish tank. No, wait, it's the ocean. No, wait, it is a really gross pool. And we see Nick is on a floating bed, uh, you know, fl floating in the middle of the pool. We see Travis jogging. He waves to Daniel from the window. Um, we see Chris filming from the roof. He seems to be documenting the events of what's going on. They're safe inside of a fence. They've been told everyone outside is dead. And this is day nine since the power grid fell and the fence went up. And he sees a glinting off in the distance outside the wall. There's like a building on a hill with some type of... It's a glint, somebody signaling maybe with a mirror. Um, and then we cut to the theme. Two quick things about this opening sequence. First of all, really good use of the song Perfect Day by Lou Reed from the Berlin album. Absolutely. Also a song used in Train Spotting, which, you know, when they had that shot of Nick floating in the pool like that, that was probably alluding to, I would imagine. Um, and I like the way that, that this opening sequence is kind of encapsulated where where everything was by watching, you know, following Travis on his run or whatever. Uh, the second thing that occurred to me while I was watching this, I remember watching the parent show when they got to Alexandria, we were all like, well, how could like a dozen people erect, you know, that much fence around that much, you know, area to keep it, to keep zombies out. Maybe Alexandria was originally one of those kind of zones that the military, you know, put fences around like their neighborhood and they were able to build off of that. Oh, very well. Could be. That's a good thought. Yeah. And, 
the one note or whatever theme that that's there i've i've liked it but it just seemed i mean when it hit it was perfect i don't know it just seemed the right use of it right then every time i hear that i think my my printer is jammed brings you back no i'm gonna speak for i guess aaron for a second here i thought that opening noise whatever it was took away because that song was really kind of melancholy and kind of and you just you go into that crazy noise like wow it just took me out of it for a minute but that opening pool scene really reminded me of breaking bad for some reason i don't know i guess that that opener we had in season two season two probably yeah Yeah, it it just so totally brought me back to that the way they even shot it the the debris inside the pool uh i'm still having a problem with that actor chris uh, who is that? It's a Lorenzo James Henry. I'm just having a problem with him, even with the camera on the on the roof. He's just not he's not acting well enough for me. I mean, it's pretty cool what we did up there, but I'm just not liking what he what he's bringing to the table. Yeah, especially when he's doing like the recap and exposition at the beginning of the episode. You know, telling you where everything is. Right. And what, I mean, when he, if he's doing that, it should be a character that's a little more compelling than just kid with a camera, which basically he's been so far. You know. When they there were the rides downtown, he was the kid with the camera. Now he's the kid with the camera. Now they're in the internment or whatever. I I agree with that, but I I will say that I don't know if it was better direction or or what. This was I I, I kind of applaud it because it seemed like a notch way above what he's delivered so far in the series. It, it's still obvious he's a very green actor, but uh, I thought that he's at least stepped it up some it at least this episode so when we come back from commercial uh we see madison and alicia talking about painting the family room uh travis comes back from his job madison is not happy about the whole situation they start yelling and then alicia gets them to stop with some truth as my uh, as my uh, notes say but we kind of get kind of sporadically through the episode starting here some of the details of what's going on and like ha- what they've been doing for the last nine days or so and it seems like Travis has been kind of elected the mayor, the mili- the, the people's lia- liaison to the military who are, you know, occupying the area. He has some type of position of esteem. Madison's still not particularly happy about what's going on, though. She doesn't trust the military. She wants more answers than they're getting. And she's just generally not happy. But I, I like Alicia in the scene. She, she, she shuts him down. She definitely brought it more this episode. I, I, I even noted that, that her, her performance stepped up a lot this whole episode, not just this scene, but yeah, at the true. end of it. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but that, that painting, did, did, Maddie is talking about painting the house and bringing paint in from the garage. I mean, why are they bothering with that right now? There's a serious problem out there, and she's painting the house like nothing, nothing's wrong. No, no. Did you not hear her say towards the end? Because I was thinking that too, but then yeah. towards the end she says... I can still see spots. I think she's cut wanting to cover up the blood from where they blew the face off that zombie last yeah, week. I heard that line. I just thought that, I mean, doesn't she realize at this point she's seen so much? She killed her principal, for Christ's sake, with, 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 a, with, with a, um, a fire extinguisher to the head. I mean, doesn't she realize the world is not coming back, yet she's painting her house? I just thought that was very odd. Well, that, I mean, that's what she's to be fair, about. what else are they going to do? They can't leave the fence. They can't go anywhere. She can't go to work. It's true. They do have Monopoly, though. I mean, they can always go back to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, how many games of Monopoly can you play in nine days? I'm, that's, you know, maybe that's three. It's a long game, but, you and, know. And one thing, too, and this is for you, Richard, continuity. You said this episode's much better, and you're right. But I don't know if you noticed that his beard was a really pretty deep 5 o'clock shadow when he was running. When he got back to the house, he was totally clean-shaven, close. So they must have shot that over a couple-day of uh, difference right there. Travis, I didn't even... 
I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it's so. it's pretty noticeable. <laughs> I think at the beginning, like uh, we we kind of she's kind of going along with Travis, you know, for the time being. Although she's kind of feeling overwhelmed, you know, she explains that to him. You know, I'm the one cooking, cleaning, doing everything else, and you're running around with the the military guys or whatever. But as the, I mean, especially when she breaks through the fence later, I mean, her attitude totally changes. Obviously, my only problem with her is with her and Travis. I really don't feel any chemistry between them. You know what I mean? I'm hard. It's hard for me to like feel them as a couple. You know what I mean? Does it almost feel like she's the ex-wife in that scene? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like they had quite a bit of chemistry in the first episode, but at this point, they've been through a lot, and I think it's more supposed to. They're not supposed to have chemistry at the moment. They're supposed to feel pretty strange. Well, I just felt like even that scene later yeah. where they were like making out in the car or whatever. They just didn't. It didn't work for me. You know, them together as a couple. It just. Well, no, and I mean, and we'll get to it, but I mean, the scene you're talking about, after, she's so cold. She's so, you know, like, almost, you know, get away from me, kind of, the way she's treating him, you know, so that's where I picked up on it, too, is I I think that they're doomed. Of course, I have a feeling, you know, based on what Daniel said last week, that, you know, he's weak. And I have a feeling that he's not going to make it out of the season. I was it thinking the same would not thing. Surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris is still up on the roof. He's watching for more signals. He shows his dad the footage, but Travis doesn't believe him. You know, the sun was setting. It was probably just a reflection somewhere. Everybody outside the fence is dead. That's what we've been told. And he's he's buying the company line. Madison goes out to speak to uh, Nick, who's still in the pool. She says she found a pill on the counter. Nick says he forgot to take it, and he's trying to quit anyway, so he'll just skip. But it's pretty clear he has found a stash somewhere. Yeah, and I I totally should have picked up on what was going on and where he was getting it because of what we saw in the next scene. But Well, I don't next... think until the next scene we, we even had the context for where exactly right, he was right, getting it. Like, right. I figured he had a stash somewhere. But, but as, soon as, she, as soon as she tells the patient... I can forget his name, you know, Hector, you, you, you have plenty, you'll have plenty of morphine or whatever. Then I was like, aha, now I know why he's so fine with it. <laughs> uh, so the next scene, the military speaking to the refugees, kind of giving their daily status update. Uh, they're, they're told they're infect free for a six mile radius from the perimeter of the fence. Don't leave the perimeter. Cur- uh, curfew remains in effect, but people want answers. They're starting to get uneasy. Uh, military says there are 11 other containment zones in the area south of, I think he said a mountain range. I don't have that exact thing in my um, in my notes, but in general, the military remains caged with answers. There's one guy who's kind of in charge. I never called his name. It's not on the wiki page. It's probably uh, on IMDb. I didn't check I that. One. His but, name uh, is. I think it's Moyer. It down. Yeah, Lieutenant that's, Moyers. That's at the end of the episode, he's yelling for you. Know, he wants to talk to Moyers. You know, he wants to talk to Moyers. Moyers. When they're like yeah, beating he's, up his family and stuff. It's played by Jamie McShane. Yes, Lieutenant Moyers. And any any relation to Ian McShane? I'm not sure about that. doesn't say. I can try to do a IMDB on him. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll move on to the next scene. Um, Alicia is getting rations from the military. Everybody's getting rations, but she goes first. Uh, then Ophelia tries, and she gets hit on by one of the military guys. Um, we find out that the head military guy, uh, Lieutenant Moyers, is kind of buddy-buddy-ish with Travis. Uh, Travis seems to be the citizen liaison, but the, milita- uh, the military man, uh, Moyers, is clearly using Travis to get in and go with the locals. Um, he tells him that there's this one guy down the street who's refusing to be medically screened, and he asks Travis to help convince this guy, whose name is Doug. And when he gets there, Doug is sitting on the t- uh, ledge of the tub crying. He doesn't know how to explain to his wife and kids what's happening, and Travis gives him a pep talk. And I thought it was a good scene for Travis. He's, again, he's kind of having to be the company man, but he's doing the best he can. 
It's a decent enough speech. It I it was good, but I I'm, he's still the one character I'm kind of down on. So I'm just he I'm still having a hard time with him. But sorry, Jim. Um, no big deal. I just wanted to say when they gave the speech to him, it almost seemed like he was trying to give it, almost giving it to himself at the same time. Yes. You know what I mean, like yeah. he was trying to reinforce where where he was coming from in this whole situation, and trying to sell himself on the idea that everything was going to be okay, and then that's what you're supposed to do for himself and his family. So. Yeah, this guy has a huge acting background, too. He's been in so many TV shows. Bloodline, um, Murder in the First, Law and Order. He was in Breaking Bad, an episode of Breaking Bad. I didn't remember that. Huh. He played the conductor, whoever that was. Oh, must have been on the train job episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. So it was that one. I mean, he's been in so many shows that his IMDb is about five pages long here. So uh, <laughs> he's definitely a television veteran. Uh, so Alicia heads to Patrick and Susan's house and she explores the empty place. Uh, she finds an old crayon drawing uh, hung and framed on the wall. And it was one she had drawn when she was like four or five. Uh, she finds suicide note and she cries over it. And you can tell she's worried about Matt. She looks down at the um, the pattern Matt had drawn on her arm in permanent marker in episode one, I believe it was. When they were sitting up there in the in the overhead lights above the football field, mm-hmm. yeah. Doug finally gets his medical screening, and uh, Travis heads home. Uh, and then we see Liza is playing nurse to various people, including that one guy Hector, who you mentioned earlier. And uh, Nick watches her through the fence as she leaves. Just to go back for one second, when he was making that speech, uh, uh, Moyers, he mentioned iodine tablets. Did anyone else catch that little reference? I mean, isn't iodine supposed to be used to protect against radiation? Um, it's generally something you put to help purify water isn't it i mean i think it, i think it can definitely help with radiation but i think it has many other uses you put it on like, oh, i see you okay. put it on your skin if you're like going to be dealing with you know on like a wound or something to help uh, clean the wound what's that iodine solution that you, you know your mom used to use well probably not you jordan you're too young but you know <laughs> the brown stuff yeah yeah they used to put on that's what i was thinking like when you when you donate blood they swab the the uh, removal site for the blood with iodine before yeah. they put anything in there. so Usually iodine tablets, though, I thought are given to radiation victims. So I'm thinking maybe somewhere out there there's a – they dropped a nuke or, so, or maybe a nuclear power plant is overloading because no one's running the thing anymore. Maybe I mean, they, it's certainly possible, but I don't think they're saying iodine tablets you take as like a pill. It's you put it in the water you're boiling. Gotcha. I didn't think about the that. Water. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I don't know that they're ever going to reveal what caused the, the outbreak, but – I hope not. I think they've said they explicitly will not. That's what I thought so, too. But I just, I kind of get this eerie feeling like at least what started this portion of it, maybe not the zombie part, I don't know. But I think somebody was messing around with some sort of chemical uh, warfare experiment or something, and it let loose. And that's, and because, I mean, it makes sense that a lot of people just plain got sick. And died, and then others had to be bitten, and so forth and so on. And I think that what we're seeing eventually down the road, once we get to Atlanta and all that, is, um, you know, the people whose immune system survived whatever the biological warfare was. I don't know, that's my theory. No, it's interesting, because that neighbor seemed to be sick that was packing the car with water, and then he just turned suddenly and took out half the block. So... Maybe he was bitten, maybe he wasn't, maybe he just turned. That, that could be. I would say his, his quote-unquote sick behavior um, would match like what happened to Jim in season one of the main show, like where he was you know flop-sweating and starting right. to like, just look really awful, that kind of thing. I mean, we've seen it hits different people in different ways when they've been bitten, so... 
Uh, Chris finally shows the video footage of the glinting off in the distance to Madison, and it seems like she's starting to believe him. Um, at first, she's like, you know, listen to your dad, but then she actually watches it, and oh, there might be something there. Nick sneaks over to where Eliza was playing nurse, and he steals the morphine drip right between the toes. Certainly accurate enough uh, heroin addict behavior there, from what I can tell, at least from what television has taught me. And then we cut to commercial. Uh, we see Ophelia getting in close with the military guy who was hitting on her before. They're making out behind a Humvee. Uh, she says she wants to take it a little bit slower, and you can tell she's using him to get medicine for her mother. And uh, I have in my notes that the guy looks a lot like a young Val, Val Kilmer. I don't that's know if actually, you guys noticed that. but Actually, if you've ever seen uh, Empire Records, that was Warren, the, the pickpocket thief from Empire Records. It's uh, Sean, The actor is Sean Hatosi, who's playing yeah. Andrew Adams is the character's name. Although I don't know if they actually say it in the episode, but that's what Wikipedia tells me. Uh, night falls, and uh, Madison and Travis uh, sleep together out, or not really sleep. Madison and Travis fuck out in the van in the garage. Um, they're both a bit tipsy, probably her more than, more than him, which goes to uh, some of our theorizing last week uh, there, Rich. Um, they catch up on yep. old news and gossip about the soldiers, the quarantine camps, etc., uh, Travis thinks she's doing too much, and she thinks he needs to spend more quality time with Chris. Uh, and she tells him that she she believes Chris. She's getting fed up with the military. The promises they're making aren't coming true. Um, just again, general up, up uh, unrest and, and uprising of the people. The, the military is is bad news in this case, and she's not trusting him. But around that time, they hear commotion outside. It's someone calling Travis, and it's Doug's family who we saw earlier. And they tell him he took his car and he disappeared. And Travis promises to go and find him. Just to get back to that garage scene for a minute. I mean, they had that little conversation. You need to pay more attention to Chris. And I, I was thinking about it. You know, Travis went to a junky church just on Nick's word that there's some stuff going down. He wouldn't give his own son, Chris, the, the, the two minutes to look at the video and see what's going on. It was just very odd. And, and Travis also said to her, well, you, you've been watching Nick and, and Alicia like a hawk. Well, has she really? Because Nick's been sleep, sticking, you know, sneaking out, going, getting uh, morphine next door for three hours. It's like, you know, it didn't make sense that that whole dialogue between the two of them. I mean, I I think it, it should have made sense, but it didn't make sense. Well, she's and, watching. And, she's watching Alicia like a hawk while he does that. She she takes shifts. And where is Carl? <laughs> <laughs> um, right around now, getting his haircut. Coral. 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 Deal is done. No, I I think because I think that the way he is with his own son is part of the theory I had last week about him cheating with Madison on his ex-wife. I have a feeling that they got caught at school seen, you know, by his son, who then told his mother. I think it all goes back to that. I don't know. I just, I get, that's the way I keep seeing that relationship. Uh, Madison climbs up on the roof and she uses a flashlight to try and signal the outside camp. Um, Travis is looking around for Doug and he finds the abandoned car at the fence. And then by the end, it's kind of cutting back and forth between them. And uh, by the end of the scene, right before we cut the commercial, the light signals back to Madison. Definitely not a reflection from the setting sun this time because it's night. Right. The thing is, is were they trying any kind of code or or because it seemed like there was a certain pattern to the light out out far. I even tried to look up the Morse. I don't know Morse code. It so. definitely seemed to be a pattern, but whatever it is, it doesn't seem like Madison recognizes, 
you know, Morse code or, or semaphore or whatever other type of thing it could be. I realize it's not semaphore, but uh, <laughs> unless, unless they're describing the flags using Morse code, it's a yeah. double layer code. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I found what ends up happening just kind of boggles my mind, but go ahead. Uh, so in the next scene, it's daytime again. The next day, the the head military guy, uh, Lieutenant Moyers, is golfing. Uh, echoes of the governor there. Uh, Travis tries to get them to send out a search party for Doug, but uh, Moyers says, no, no, no. We already found him last night, crying his eyes out by the car. He's been moved to another camp for psychological ca- uh, care. And uh, when Travis brings up the light and the signal, he says, nope, there's nothing out there. Nothing is alive out there. There's no light. Your son saw things. Forget about it. You know, psychological care. Yeah. At a, you know, another place that's not here. It's with his, you know, girlfriend who goes to another school. From yeah, Canada. It's Grady Memorial uh, West Coast version. <laughs> They're West Coast Annex. Uh, Liza returns to uh, Hector to go check up on him. Um, he's gone. He has disappeared. Uh, we're, we're introduced to Dr. Oh, and I have her name spelled two different ways, and I know this one's wrong. Uh, Dr. Exner, Dr. Bethany Exner, who's just been brought in by the military, and she, she tells Liza that Hector's been moved to another location to get better care, uh, along with uh, Doug and uh, the, the girlfriend who goes to another school, and Cynthia, his wife, is being moved, too, to go, uh, to go meet up with him. Did anybody else instantly trust this doctor character? Like, you know, just instantly, you know, thought this is a good person. Backslash S? Because, uh, not me. (laughs) Her hair's too good. You can't trust her. Yeah. Uh, So the doctor grills Liza on Hector's treatment. And it turns out Liza's been lying to everybody about being a nurse. uh, But the doctor asked her to continue pretending. It's good for the community. Now, I have a question here. In the first episode... We weren't told she was a nurse, right? We were told she was working on getting, like, going to nursing school. She was going back to school. That was the back whole thing a- after the divorce. And I also thought that we, in the same episode, or last week's episode, when she's talking to Travis at one point, talks about, if I had been allowed to do what I was doing seven years ago, I would have been a nurse, and he said, or a doctor, or something like that. So sh- so I think we already knew. Yeah, I kind of realized it, but it was one of those things that was in the back of my mind, and I never really thought about it. Like, I just assumed, oh yeah, she's acting as a nurse, she's the nurse. But, so she has been actively lying to the people of the community, whether or not, uh, you know, the the, the Clarks and the, uh, the Manawas know is, is a side issue. She's been lying to the community about being a nurse. And theoretically, the military as well, which is a bad well, choice, probably. Well, and I think it was a good call on her part. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, for the, to- for the time being, it was probably a smart choice, but right. in general, lying to them, probably not going to pay out well for her. Although, I guess now that Dr. Exeter knows is totally cool with it, then she's probably fine, at least on that front. I mean, she's obviously had a lot of the basic training as a caregiver. So. Right. Yeah. She's doing the best she can with what she has. So, so she's useful. She's more useful than not having a nurse. So, yeah. So Madison hikes out to the fence with wire cutters. She exits the perimeter. Uh, she walks past destruction, memorials. It's very 9-11-esque. Uh, there's empty streets. And then she she crosses across street and she just gets hit with this awful smell. And we see there are bodies littering the street. Um, some of them some walkers that have been gunned down, some of them people that have been gunned down. She finds a gun, and then uh, the military in Humvees, and some of them in like full like chemical war- warfare gear uh, walk by, and she has to hide from them under a car. And that's when we cut to commercial. 
All right, so I have a couple of little issues I'm sure most of you do about this scene. First of all, she yeah. left a big hole in the fence. All right, we, we know about that. Second of all, where was she going? Was she going to that house? Was she trying to make it there before she found the dead bodies on the street? I think so, That's yeah. That's what I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. What, what, okay. what I couldn't figure out is as determined as she was to try and help somebody, I get the dead bodies were alarming, but I, I, I just as far as she's come and and she went and was willing to you know break out of the quarantine area or whatnot after those soldiers passed i i was really surprised she turned around that she didn't continue on well of course she go back to her family i mean obviously to tell them what well, happened, or, you know at least to try to find out you know or tell travis what happened i would think but the thing the thing that bothered me about it like well craig mentioned you know leaving the big hole in the fence or whatever i mean I think what really got her was that she saw people who weren't infected that had been gunned down. Because she tells uh, Ruben Blades' character that later. I think that's what really affected her while she was out there. Not even so much all the infected that were killed, but that she saw that guy, especially, you know, they, they emphasize him in the middle of the street. He's got a handgun. He was trying to defend himself. And he was gunned down as well. So I think that's what was really bothering her and what set her back. She saw the, the blonde woman right next to her under the car, and I think she saw that could have been her if she was on the other side of the fence when the cleansing began. Right. So she, she, she definitely found out what happened very quickly. She pieced it together. But again, she left the gun. That's the second gun that they left behind that they could have, they could have gotten in this show Did already. Did she leave the gun? Oh, I mean, yeah. I know we didn't see her pick yeah. it up. But... She, yeah, she left it right there in the street. Because no, I think there's a parting shot, and you still see the gun. Yep. Gotcha. Back after the commercial, the doctor, Dr. Exner, helps Eliza uh, with Griselda's foot. Uh, we're told Griselda's also going to be moved to that same other facility for surgery, and Daniel's going to go with her. Uh, Nick's out back sleeping on, uh, on like, a reclining chair. Uh, he's clearly high. Uh, Dr. Exner gives him a checkup, um, and Nick learns his morphine supply is about to go away since Hector is leaving, and uh, he is not particularly thrilled about that. Back at uh, Patrick and Susan's house, Alicia tattoos herself with the pattern Matt had drawn on her arm. Self-tattoo, that's uh, that's uh, committed right there. Well, I mean, not even so much self-tattoo, but it's like kind of like cutting or scarification, you know, that, that sometimes people do when they're stressed or in a, in a, you know, stress. I thought she had some ink there, too, though. Yeah, but I, I mean, she the was way she was doing it, she was like gouging a lot of, of blood and stuff. It was, I thought it was... Well, it looked like... It looked to me like she was doing it like the old-fashioned, like the way the Native Americans and all that used to do, where they'd take a needle and it would just be dipping the ink and spreading the ink and just punch, puncturing it one at a time. Right? You know, that's what I thought she was doing. Like a really low-tech prison tattoo or something, too, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. I, I mean, is that the smartest thing to be doing when there's a quote-unquote infection running around? I mean, it's not the smartest thing to do. Ever. Okay, true, but there's people wearing masks. They, you know, there's, there's an airborne infection. They think going around that she's opening a wound on her arm. But going back to Nick for one second, he's still in the old man's clothes. This is nine days later or ten days later since he left the hospital. He couldn't borrow a T-shirt from Travis Maybe or anybody they were in the super house. Comfortable. <laughs> I mean, come on, you guys mentioned it's this like a full windbreaker yeah. suit, dude. Dude, <laughs> he's he's been a junkie living in a condemned church that probably smells like shit. Okay. He to him he he's a lazy junkie. He doesn't care. He doesn't. He's just he's just rolling with it. He likes that old man that old man jacket and shirt. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
Back at the house, Daniel grills Madison on what she saw outside the fence. Uh, she tells him pretty much what you talked about. There's dead infected, but there's also, you know, humans who were shot, who were uninfected. Uh, Daniel tells us some of his backstory and tells her uh, there was war crimes in El Salvador. People in this town slaughtered by the military. It's pretty, pretty gross. And he tells her men do. He tells her his father told him that men do evil because of fear. Um, but he says his father was a was a fool for believing that evil and fear were separate things. And he tells her to look after Ophelia when he's gone and also to make sure he ke- uh, she keeps Nick close. Now, does he say that because he knows, because he's been looking out the window these last couple of days, he knows that Nick is running off and getting high, you think? It's possible. I think that's a possibility, but I also think that, you know, one of the things that we've noticed about Nick from the beginning is that he's been very astute about what's going on. He's kind of been a step ahead of everybody you know, sometimes it's a bit far-fetched, but it turns out he's he's on track. So I thought I took it more as he's he's he knows what's he's smart. He's being smart about this. But on the other hand, to, now that you said that, it could be yeah, he's sneaking drugs. Well, I mean, he is smart. He is a slave to his addiction, which is unfortunate. But generally, he's right. been shown to be nothing but you right. know, logical and and able to put th- things together. I mean, a drug addiction does not uh, pr- uh, preclude. Uh, you know, being logical, Sherlock Holmes was a he. What was it? He was opium or heroin? Which one was he cocaine. addicted to? Cocaine. Seven yeah. percent solution so. of cocaine. <laughs> uh, so you know, it, it's it's actually very common in literature or you know film, just fiction in general. The smartest characters are often the ones who have the strongest chemical dependence. So I'm not saying that they're going to make him Sherlock Holmes or or anything like that, but it would fit the uh, the trope. Speaking of Nick and drugs, Madison finds Nick uh, searching for drugs in the house, and she lets loose on him. She slaps him repeatedly, she slams his head against the wall, and then she leaves. She is fed up with his nonsense. And then we cut to commercial. I thought that was a pretty powerful scene. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't even get out full sentences. I think, you know, my theory about the whole thing flip-flopping, mm-hmm. I think this is kind of that, that, that breaking point. I think this where... episode is totally setting up you to be correct. I mean, I, I think that right there is the breaking point where she... Because doesn't it, doesn't it show right after this, or pretty shortly after this, her going back to the garage to yep. get the booze out of the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's well, right. That's so, yeah. so I think that this has been the point it's been leading to. This is where she's gone over the tipping point. And he's, I think, unfortunately... Or fortunately for him but unfortunately at the same time he's about to have to go through some serious sick withdrawals without anything to help him and once he comes out the other side of that he's going to be good I think well not not to get too far ahead of ourselves but just judging by how the episode ends that might be the best case scenario for him true yeah. true. <laughs> he might be lucky if he gets to do that yeah there was a line in the first episode uh, the pilot where they're in the church and and Maddie said B- bad genes. She said that exact those exact words. Oh, did she really? I forgot yeah, about that. That was in there. So I think there is some hint that she is also an addict or a recovering addict or maybe oh, an alcoholic yeah. or something. There's something in her that she knows about this sickness very much. And maybe you're right. They could flip flop. Maybe she'll become the alcoholic, and Nick will be her salvation perhaps down the line. I didn't think about that. Because when I saw that scene, I thought maybe she was referring to her ex-husband. No, I felt who, it was her from the beginning, so, and now I think it's, it's confirming yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's we talked about it last week about her 
becoming an alcoholic and that's what i think is going to happen is is it's going to flip and now travis is going to be taking care of her so to speak or i was thinking nick would i was thinking nick would recover that that's what i meant okay that's what i meant was nick sure sorry no Sorry, yes, Nick, not Travis. Travis, I'm pretty sure. Is- yeah, I don't think he's long for the world, I can tell you right now. I think he'll make it past the first season, but not much longer after that. But no spoilers. We'll wait to the end so Jerry doesn't fall off his chair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Jerry. So after commercial, Alicia sees Nick's face in passing and asks what's happened to him. Um, he locks himself in his room or the bathroom. I, I wasn't sure exactly which room that was, but Travis wants to know what's going on. Alicia tells him, she's got it. You need to leave. Nick eventually lets her in. He doesn't want to talk. Uh, they they cry. She hugs him. Again, I really like their relationship, uh, you know, Alicia and Nick. They're, they're yeah. just, it's, it's way more interesting than the average sibling relationship I see on television. I thought there was a good foundation in the first episode for it, but I, I didn't really feel the closeness like it, like what we're meant to believe until this episode. I just, I thought this was a really good scene with the two of them. And, and not just with the two of them, but also her and Travis being like, look, True. he is yeah. not going to trust you. I've Absolutely. got this. Leave us alone. Uh, so Madison cools off in the garage, drinking something out of a coffee mug. Uh, car pulls up outside. Uh, Griselda is being re- removed to go to surgery. Uh, the military only wants Griselda, though, not Daniel. And they're also taking Nick. Uh, Alicia tries to warn him. He runs, but the military still grabs him. Uh, the unrest is starting to ramp. Travis tells everyone, hey, calm down, calm down. Uh, Liza tries to talk to Dr. Exner, and she tells her if she really wants to help, she should come with them. And so Liza's outside. Chris is inside watching from inside the window. She tries to yell to him, and eventually she climbs up on the truck to leave. Uh, Madison starts freaking out. She tells Travis she blames Liza. Uh, she goes out to the garage to remo- to resume drinking. So a lot of stuff there. I know that was a big paragraph. Um, yeah. <laughs> thoughts? Well, you know, Liza left on the truck. I mean, did you did you say that, Jordan? I don't know if you said that or not. Yes, okay. Yes. So Liza left on the truck. So who's the worst mother here? Who gets the Lori Grimes Memorial Mother of the Year <laughs> award, uh, from this episode? Is it Liza Ortiz or Madison Clark? I mean, Liza left her son, but her Madison only son. beat her son. All right, Madison beat her Pimp son. Slapped and the did, hell did, out of him. <laughs> didn't watch him while he was getting high. All right, it wasn't around enough. But but she had time to go find some light outside. Okay, but Liza. Here's the difference. Here's the difference, though. <laughs> Her son is a grown-ass man. Liza's son is a teenager. Okay. So she but left... he's also safe inside the perimeter, or at least she thinks. And well, she's told as I much, know, you could do I'm way just... more good out here if you help us. She... I'm just saying is is she has more responsibility as a mother to that teenager than Madison does to her grown, effed-up son who can't stay straight. Mm. That's fair enough. Okay. Sure. I see what you're saying. So Liza wins the Lori Grimes Memorial Mother of the Year Award, then. Absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. Gold plate that thing. <laughs> For our final scene, we get voiceover of Alicia reading Susan's note. It was definitely a suicide. I know there was some question about that, but it definitely was. Um, we see everyone being upset, and then Travis, in the end, finally sees the signaling light, and we cut to our scenes from the next episode. Well, he sees the light and some other stuff, too. And, he sees, well, yeah. Well, okay, maybe I looked down and was typing my notes. What did he see? Uh, the muzzle flashes from the submachine guns that were being used <laughs> to slaughter whatever was making that signal. I totally missed that. Uh, thank yeah. you for watching close, more closely than I did, or at least not taking notes like I was doing. You see the light flash like once or twice, and then all of a sudden there's three or four muzzle flashes. Interesting. Yep. In the same location, or, or same general yeah, location. In that room. Inside... In that room. 
Mm. Yeah, they took him out. They found him. Very, very interesting. Yeah. God, Jordan. Jeez. <laughs> and I'm assuming... Sorry I was doing my job. <laughs> You're why we can't have nice things. Fair enough. So they keep referring it to the DZ. Does that mean dead zone or demilitarized zone or decontinued? What does DZ mean? Do they ever say that in the episode? I mean, DMZ would be demilitarized zone. Right, that's true. They keep saying DZ, so I don't know what they mean. But I I thought that they were just meaning some sort of demilitarized zone. You just mean zone, designated zone. Yeah. De- yeah. Dead zone, designated zone. Okay. Now, now I, ha- I have a, a, a hypothesis. Uh-oh. Hmm. What if we said earlier, you know, Alexandria may have started as one of these little quarantine or safety zone little fenced-in areas? What if that's how Terminus began, too? Uh, That wouldn't surprise me in the least. Because think about it. It had all that fencing around it, all that stuff, you know. It just, it kind of fits. And I also wonder what they're doing with the the weak that they're taking away right now. Because you've noticed it's the ones they've deemed weak that they're taking away. And I'm thinking they're either killing them or they're, you know, saving them for meat supply. Or testing them, you know, with zombies to see, like, how do they react? Right. Is there some way to bring them back if they've been bitten? I mean, not to get too, not to get into spoilers, but I will say from the scenes we see from next week's episode, it seems like there might really be a hospital, which was a question I had even in watching this episode. Like, oh, there's nothing out there. But there may actually be something out there, whether it's totally terrible and evil or not, you know, probably. But it, it exists, whatever it is. So that was actually kind of surprising to me. And you wouldn't know that without watching the preview, though. I mean, they really left it like you're going out and they're going to shoot you oh, yeah. at the other, other end of the wall. That's kind of the way they, they, they frame well, when, this episode. When they were like, when Daniel's like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I was like, oh, damn, I really like Daniel. We're not going to see him anymore because he's <laughs> going to get murdered. Um, but no, that's yeah. not what happened. So... Well, again, like last week, my DVR cut off the scenes from next week, so I didn't get to see them. So I'm not actively seeking them out. But uh, so there, we see a preview for the hospital. Then or the... we we see some type of facility that seems to have like medical personnel and stuff. Um, uh, now, and be, and we also see a walker in that in that um, footage, not in the same necessarily the same place. But that brings me to a question: Is this uh, this is definitely the first Fear the Walking Dead episode that did this? Right. But have there been any Walking Dead episodes that don't have a single ambulatory walker in the episode? Oh wow! I feel like there was one, but I can't remember what it was. I think there was one. There had to be one in season two. I mean, there had to be on the farm. All those episodes. I mean, we can go back probably and figure it out, but uh, I think there was at least one. See, I don't know. Like, you have the one where they look like, to go to go into spoilers from five years ago for a show that we talk about on this show all the time. Um, like, you had Stu. You had shots of, like, walkers out in other places. You had them going on other, like, expeditions. You had the z- zombies in the barn. You may be right, but I feel like there was more zombies in that season. What about the episode with uh, Beth and uh, and Daryl, where they were in the country club and everybody had been long dead and they really didn't see like a, what, any walking... There was definitely walkers they because, remember, out. they bust in through the first oh, through right, the front okay. door, and that's and, when Beth gets taken. And he was teaching her to shoot the bow and arrow, the crossbow, I should say, at a walker was coming at him. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. So this may be, theoretically, the first 
episode of any of the shows with no ambulatory walkers. And I don't think that that was a knock against it. I, I really like this episode as well. Like, uh, like Rich was saying earlier, you know, we really got down into the nitty gritty of like who these characters are. It was setting up some really cool stuff for where the season could go. And in general, this whole like internment camp idea, that's a really cool one. Like all the stuff in the first three episodes, whether, I, whether you liked it or didn't, it's all stuff you've seen in zombie movies before, which was kind of inevitable. It's the outbreak. It's all going to be the same. You know, it can have little different things here and there, but we've seen it six ways till Sunday in a hundred other zombie movies. This thing is new though. And this feels really interesting to me. Like this almost like we're doing it. We're winning. We're pushing them back. You're not, but you know, it's interesting to see this world where they think they are. So before we go to what we thought of the episode in terms of an actual numerical rating, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, the Discount Comic Book Service and In Stock Trades at DCBService.com and their sister site, InStockTrades.com. Look, we talk about it every week, but comics are expensive. Comic-related merchandise is expensive. We're talking, you know, three, four bucks a book, sometimes more if it's got extra pages, you know, and, and even these little Funko Pops that I'm looking at around my room, they're like 10, 15 bucks a piece, depending on how rare they are. You can spend a lot of money very quickly on nerd stuff. And that's why in-stock trades exists. That's why uh, TCB Service exists at tcbservice.com. They're there so you can get your nerd stuff, comic books, trade paperbacks, action figures, uh, the, those McFarlane Walking Dead building toys, t-shirts, hats, hoodies, all that kind of stuff at deep, deep discounts because they know that stuff is expensive and they know you want it and so they're the middleman there to keep those prices down and to get them to you quick and easy and at a huge saving we're talking 10 percent 20 percent 30 percent even more up to 50 and sometimes even more total you're going to be getting off on your orders and that is really awesome and they've been sponsoring the show pretty much since the beginning and we really we really appreciate that because they are awesome and we like working with them and uh, we know listeners who have checked them out and you know all of us who have checked them out love working with them as well they've got great customer service and beyond that we, like we keep coming back to great deals so check out this uh, discount comic book service at dcbservice.com and check out their sister site instocktrades.com as well to save a ton of your hard-earned money I just looked it up, by the way, and according to Vox.com, uh, this was the first episode of any Walking Dead to feature zero walkers. There you go. Really? Okay. Good to know. Okay. Very cool. So, let's talk about what we thought of this episode numerically on our Buster Scare, our Toby Scale, our Gloria Scale, whatever you want to call it. Uh, one is bad, five is awesome, and let's, Craig, start with you, since uh, you've got the alphabetically first name this week. <laughs> sure, and I'm going to remain calling it Toby's from here until time immemorial. I think that's the most fitting. But I'm going to give it 3.75 Toby's again. It would have received a four, and I agree with Richard. It was a little bit better than last week's, but again, there was no carnage, not even one zombie, no action in that regard. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a 3.75. I like seeing my zombie kills. I thought the acting was a bit sharper, especially in Alicia's part. Uh, there was some, you know, I'm starting to understand a little the characters a bit more. I like the music, believe it or not. Paul Hasselier is doing a really nice job with that kind of ambient background music. It, it's raising the tension of some of the scenes. I want to note that as well. So I'm enjoying this this show, this episode in bits and pieces. If it just would have had a little bit of action, it would have been a solid 4 or even a 4.25. But unfortunately, 3.75 Tobies for me. Uh, I give it a 3.75 as well. It, it's been my favorite of these episodes so far. This is kind of what I wanted to see. 
in this show a little more of, you know, what happened, how the government reacted, how the people reacted to how the government reacted. Um, it's got, the story's getting a little more meat on it. There are a little, a little more, uh, there's a little more character development going on. I care a little bit more about some of the characters. I still don't really feel the chemistry, you know, between, uh, Travis and his, and his uh, wife, but uh, I like some of the other characters enough to follow along. I'm interested to see what's going on with Dr. Exner in her little hospital or what, I, you know, when the you know, cover's pulled away, what's really going on and how much control they really have. Um, so definitely a step in the right direction. Definitely an uptick for me. Uh, best episode so far from the series 375. Aaron, even though he couldn't be here with us tonight, he sent in his thoughts. And this is what he had to say about the episode. Quote, like last week, I would say this week's episode was the best so far, meaning the show only seems to be going up for me. Now that Fear the Walking Dead has gotten the basic backstory out of the way, I think we are getting a better look at what the show can largely center around, which is the reaction both the public and authorities have in these early stages of the zombie virus, or whatever they call it. That said, various issues still hold it back from being better. Madison and Daniel continue to be the only characters I enjoy to some degree. The themes are all very obvious, a problem on both shows, and the feel continues to seem off. It's better this week, as the zombie action is kept at a minimum in favor of delving into the world and character drama, but I still have to hold out for a better version of the show to develop in the final two e episodes this year or next season. 3.5 Missing Tobiases, unquote. Like I said, I like this episode way better than any of the first three combined. I think that, you know, this was the first of the series to not be directed by Adam Davidson, who I don't know a lot about, but some of the choices that were made in those first three episodes, I just, it, it just left me wanting. This episode felt more cohesive. It was edited well. Um, there was still some clunky dialogue here and there, and I still just, I feel a much more um, seated connection with these characters to where I, I, I care about what's going on and I'm interested in what's next, but I'm still having that problem with Travis. I just, I can't connect with that character at all. But everything about this episode is what I wanted to see in this series, and to, and to not have a zombie in it and i didn't even realize it till long after and enjoy it that much that's what we needed we wanted to see a character driven how are they going to start putting things together thinking about it what's those reactions going to be and and that's what we got with this episode and that's what i hope to continue getting at the end of last week i said um that last scene with the military was promising for some good television and i think that they've delivered on it so i'm gonna give it a four toby's out of five Right on. Uh, for me, it was, now, bear with me here, it's a slight step down numerically from last week. I think last week's episode was a better start-to-finish, you know, chunk of standalone episode. That said, I still really liked this one, and I think it's setting up really, really cool things for the future. I like the direction it's taking narratively, but as a standalone uh, you know, one-hour chunk or 42-minute chunk of television, I didn't think it was quite as strong, but only by, by a small amount. Again, I think in general, the show is figuring out what it's trying to do. It's hitting those marks stronger. Um, so I'm giving this one a 3.75, but it's not, not because I didn't like it or anything like that. It's just, this worked really well as a connecting episode, but as a standalone episode, it wasn't my favorite, but again, still really solid. But who cares what we think? Jim, what are our listeners over on the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group 
have to say about this week's episode. We have a wonderful Facebook group uh, called the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group. Oddly enough, since this is the Walking Dead TV Podcast, that works out great, doesn't it? Uh, about 650 members, and every week we ask for your opinions and your Toby ratings on Fear of the Walking Dead. And, of course, you know, the parent show will go back to that as well. Uh, but as, you know, as divided as uh, our comments are and our, our thoughts are, so are yours. And uh, I think we really... Um, you know, people are all over the spectrum on the on the fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, Hezron Mac, two wasting my precious times out of five. Well, tell it like it is, sir. Uh, <laughs> this makes me appreciate the main series so much more. I don't care for any of these people. Four episodes in, they're still wasting time. And that last podcast episode was one of the top five ever. Um, <laughs> so thank you very much for that, Hezron. Uh, Brent Jones, 4.25. No track mark between the toes out of five. Finally, this show gave me some of what I want out of it. Love the safe zone aspect. Looks like Nick finally saw some truth there at the end. Don't know why she left the safe zone and accomplished nothing except a tour of the apocalypse. Never trust the government in an apocalypse. I think that's good advice. Um, Kevin Barry. Never trust the government outside of an apocalypse either. Okay. That's just me. Uh, Kevin Barry. I liked the episode because it focused on the individuals and how they are coping with the events of the zombie apocalypse. I admit the dialogue is not award winning, but let's be honest, the WD, uh, TWD, the parent series, is rarely that. I think in the next two episodes we'll see the final collapse and the Fear of the Walking Dead family will be on the move. Uh, 3.5 out of 5 miles of secured fence. Uh, Pamela Burton, I give it a 4 out of 5. Overall, I like this episode. It showed how the military was handling the outbreak. There were these little safe zones in the beginning. One minor gripe, though. I hate the corporal who was making out with, with uh, Ophelia. And who, who could blame him? He was kind of... Uh, he kind of reminded me of, like, young Stifler. In a weird way. That's the way his eyebrows kind of... Anyway. Uh, Cheryl Morris Goodman. 3.25. I feel you, Ophelia's. Out of five. Uh, <laughs> last 15 minutes were really good. The rest made me irritated. Finally losing patience with Travis. I know, I know. Overdue. He's so ineffectual, and I hope the gunshots he saw will be the turning point for him. Overall, with only two episodes left, I haven't learned much, and I hope the next episode's previews aren't just a conglomeration of the episode's only ten minutes of action, like this one was. Ooze. Uh, Joe Slusher, 2.0 pistols not picked up. I can, I just cannot care about the characters less. Uh, agree that it was a waste until the last 15 minutes. They're running out of time to make this good. Uh, Mike Jones, two crazy ex-wives out of five. The going outside the fence portion of this episode was one big eye roll for me. In this scenario, you just don't venture out and tell no one. Uh, this show is below average at best. Uh, Everard Santa Marina, uh, 3.25 yelling at the screen to pick up the gun out of five. It's getting a little better. I think the lead military officer is a little cavalier for how dire the situation is. Uh, the doctor seems more believable, although you sense it's really bad. Yeah, that was kind of the vibe I got off of her, too, Everett. Uh, so, still not really into any of the character in particular, though, although Chris really needs to be left behind or left outside the fence. I really want this show to work. Uh, Belinda Ake, two junkies. I'd like to see dead out of five. I hate the junkie. <laughs> I hate Maddie. I hate Chris. I hate the daughter. Wow, that's a lot of hate, Belinda. Everybody hates Chris. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. Travis is an ignorant doorknob who I don't care enough about to hate. The only one I really <laughs> care about is the barber. Ruben, is it? Uh, the actor's name is Ruben Blades. The name of his character is... Uh, Daniel. Is Daniel. Uh, all of them are too trusting. They're too laid back. No real person would be drinking the Kool-Aid so easily. I want Tobias back. I want to see him bust into the safe zone to save the ignoramuses by taking them out of that trap like fish in a barrel. So frustrating. <laughs> Oh, I thought uh, Trav I thought Toby was the one in the house, so I thought he was dead. 
Oh, so that was Toby? He was flashing the light? Oh, that's perfect. Oh, no. How? No! No! <laughs> oh, no, Toby. That's what they're going to find when they go out there, just Toby we dead. Hard, that was his knife. Knew he. he was glinting with the knife. Yes, he was there glinting with the knife. That's what he was doing. Oh, no. Oh, Toby. We hardly knew ye. Uh, Tracy W., I thought it was a great episode. I'm excited to see it next week. I think the thing that is missing is that one character you really identify with and root for, like Rick. Uh, I found myself really liking Chris, Liza, and Daniel Salazar. I almost like Alicia, but her character seems so underdeveloped. Uh, moving forward, I think they can stand and stay with Chris and explore some kind of rebellion or introduce a group outside the wall. Uh, so far, it seems like a bunch of shallow suburbanites bumbling as we all fantasize about all the interesting, epic stuff that is probably happening off-camera. <laughs> I'm in it for the long haul, though. I'll give it a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, Robert Nigro 3 touched up the wall, but I still see the stains out of 5. Um, I got a glimmer of what the show may become. I have to keep telling myself that this show is intentionally slower, because while a lot has apparently happened in 9 days of showtime, people are only slowly and partially figuring out what has happened and what may happen. Count me in this assessment. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, my least favorite of the four episodes so far, but still enjoyed it. I give it a 3 out of 5. It's going to be interesting to see where they take it in the last two episodes. Daniel seems to have a good idea that normality is never going to return. And finally, David Bue the third. I'm finally back to a 4. Don't tell Travis anything worthy out of 5. Uh, my wife and I are disagreeing with the House on the Hill. She says the military is taking people there to kill them off. But I saw they went there on Travis's 411 and killed whomever was hiding out. Uh, can't wait to find out. So that is what you thought of this episode, the fourth episode of uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. If you'd like to join our Facebook group, we'd love to have you. We always have a lot of funny uh, um, um, things going around, good discussion, uh, news items, all kinds of stuff. And it's always the first place we post uh, the, the links to the new episodes. So uh, the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, join us. Yeah, we do have a great group. And, you know, Everard Santa Marina put a post here a couple days ago. It says, quick question, why was next door Susan dead? And why hasn't she turned when they come in looking for the gun? They see the pill bottle. So I guess that was answered this episode. I don't know if we kind of glossed over it or not, but she definitely offed herself with the pills. I mean, that that there's no doubt about it now. Yeah, he had asked that before this week's episode. Exactly. Aired, it so was on the 19th. Asking, yeah, yeah so, they, so I guess this episode definitely answered that question. And I like that little piece that Alicia did at the end with reading that note. I thought that was really cool uh, from an editing standpoint as well, the way they did that. So I don't know if we talked about that or not, but it definitely deserved to be talked about. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, another thing I liked about this episode was I liked that they're already doing time jumps, just small ones. You know, they're, they're starting to skip some of that stuff in between. Presumably, like we, we kind of talked, or one of the listeners brought this up, or maybe even two of them. We're kind of skipping all the, oh, you have to learn that you that they're dead. and you know, They got enough of it in the beginning for us to know that they were catching on. And now the military has come in, and we know that the, you know they're calling them infecteds already. We know that they're everything out there is dead. We're getting a lot of this information. I don't want to say secondhand because that makes it sound negative, but it's just more of we don't need to see it. You know, we already know a lot of this stuff from Walking Dead proper, and letting them skip a lot of that is, I think, a, a good decision on the show's part. You mean the nine-day jump? Is that what you're saying? The, the the jump in time we had from the last episode to this one? Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Get us to, you know, you show us them setting it up, and you're going to show us presumably the fall in the next two episodes. We don't need to see, you know, two or three episodes in the middle of, oh, things are going pretty well in here, you know? We have questions, we have concerns, but we're not dying anymore, you know? We, we skip all that stuff, yeah. which is good. No, it's a good, very true. 
particularly after the first three episodes, which cover like two days worth of time. You know, now we're already two weeks later ish. So we're going to close things out now. And of course, we'll talk about next week's episode after the closeout. So if you don't want to know anything, you can cut out after then and we won't spoil you. But until then, you can give it, you can contact us at WDTV at HHWLOD.com or follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Rich is at ChubToto1. Jim is at Yoda Jones. And Craig, you are at AutoChat? AutoChat Show. At AutoChat Auto Show. show. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is at Aaron's PS4, and he'll hopefully be back with us next week. And uh, hey, uh, Russ is at R. Latham, and hopefully he'll be back soon as well. So that's all of our uh, Twitter information. And of course, like we already talked about, you can check out the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group and follow all of the fun discussion there. Give your thoughts on the show, and maybe we'll even read them here on the Walking Dead TV podcast. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, men do evil because of fear. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Take care. And next week on Fear the Walking Dead, Season 1, Episode 5 is entitled Cobalt. And the brief description we have from TVGuide.com is, The National Guard's plan for the neighborhood and its residents is revealed, forcing Travis and Madison to make a difficult decision. What color will they paint the living room? (laughs) I think it's got to be that that light pastel lavender. It's got to be. Eggshell. I was hoping for a taupe. I don't really know what taupe is, but I, I like the sound of it. It's taupe a is a very, it's a very neutral color. It's, just, it's like a green or something, right? Uh, it's kind of like a new, it's a natural. It's like a natural color, like a grayish tan. You know, but it goes, gotcha. it goes with everything. But the, cobalt, interestingly enough, was the code name for this show, and it was in pre-production, I believe. It was called. Oh, that's right! I forgot about that. Yeah. So hopefully, this will be a a you know remarkable episode because they named the whole show after it pretty much. So let's hope it's a good one next week. Um, the the scenes we saw from the end of the episode were. Uh, Daniel saying this is how we bring them home. We see the military. We see some more, more new characters. We see a hospital. We definitely see walkers. And someone says something is wrong. So, you know, your general next week on The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead type thing. Lots of quick cuts. So do we have anything else we want to say before we close it out about next week's episode? Any hopes, fears, dreams for Cobalt? No, just a few more weeks till the, uh, the original series comes back, though. Yes, indeed. And not next week, but the week after that, we will have um, Talking Dead back as well. Right. Uh, after the season finale. So don't forget to set that up on your DVRs. Until then, have a good week, everybody. I live to fight and die another day. Testicles, testicles, I have three. Testicles, testicles. (laughs) Whoopee! What is the actual thing? It's testicles, spectacles, wallet, and watch, right? Yeah, something like that. I was playing off testing, testing, one, two, three. Talking about, you know, what do you do with an elephant with three balls? The Human Torch could not get a bank loan. <laughs> I, I generally don't do anything with an elephant, regardless of the balls it has or doesn't you, have. You you walk them and pitch to the rhino. That's a baseball joke.
Would you like to hear here? I would like to tell you a better joke than that that my daughter told me. <laughs> Any joke is better than that. Why couldn't you? Why couldn't you hear it when the pterodactyl went to the bathroom? Why? Because his pee is silent. <laughs> that is true. Wait, like... wait, wait. There's a pee in pterodactyl. Now you really got me screwed up. Wait yeah. a second. Oh yeah. PT. It looks wow. like petrodactyl, but okay. it's because it's it's um, from uh, Egyptian. Wow, there's a, like like Tolmec or Tolmi. A lot of those words where it's PT, it's just pronounced Tol- with it. With Ptolemy, the, the house of Ptolemy. Ptolemy, yeah, there you yeah. go. Ptolemy the third, who was the who who passed on to uh, Cleopatra, who then allowed Rome in and all that jazz. Wow. Yeah, Chubb Toad went to school with all those guys. Can we get this show on the road now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is episode 143. For 143. Woohoo. All right. 143? Wow. I'm is Aaron ha- joining us or uh, no? No, he can't make it tonight, but remind me to read his thoughts when we get to there because I forgot okay. to read Craig's last night. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> hey, it's all right. He spent like an hour at the airport putting it together. I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal. What hey. was the name of this episode? Um, Not Fade Away. Not, Not Fade Away. Fade Thank away. you. Um, like the Buddy Holly song. Yes, Greg. Or yes, Chubb Oh, I was going to say, don't forget to read Aaron's thoughts later. You ah, me. funny, Just funny. Reminding you there. So. Do you want me to give my Tobies from the last one, or wait till the end, or did, um, we'll, we'll probably I'll, I'll introduce us, and then I'll probably give you a chance to do that, and then we can you, go into. Do you want yeah. me to read my statement of shame at the beginning? Oh yes, we need to do that. Or. Um, <laughs> Did you actually write something? No, but, well, I did in my mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's have Craig go first. We'll, we'll Oreo it. So, good, bad, good. <laughs> and uh, and so, you're the bad. No offense. Um, but just, you're the... You're the uh, Mine is not the bad. Mine is an explanation. You know what I mean. Um, and then we'll go into... So we have the good, the bad, and then Jordan takes us into the ugly. Yes. Well, I, I prefer to think of it as the unconventionally sexually sexy. But, uh... Unconventionally sexy? Exactly. Boy, wow. <laughs> Alrighty. It's going to be one of those. Let me get my waiters on. Alright. <laughs> what was the word last week, Jim, on LOD? Was it gush? Yes. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing you talk about gushing about things. What are you, Pampoovy or something? Oh, good old Pampoovy. I wish I had a back tattoo that awesome. Sploosh. <laughs> Sploosh. Pam- little, little, little inside the hey, Pampoovy. Hey, hey Jordan, I'm sure your tramp stamp looks just fine. <laughs> yeah, I have the actor's name here. What did I do with it? Hang on a second here. Sorry about that. Uh, Moyers. Sorry about that. Holding up the whole show, yeah. No, it's okay. I'm putting this intro so Jordan can cut it out. Oh, yeah. All this will get cut. Not not when you find it. Pennsylvania Oh, forget it. I, I can't find it. <laughs> Never <Okay>. mind. <laughs> no worries. Lieutenant Moyers. That's his name. <laughs> it's McShane, I think his name is, but I can't find the first one now. I think I overwrote it. Wait, is he related to uh, Ian McShane? Ian McShane? 
Uh, don't know about that. He seemed pretty American to me, but unless he's covering that accent up, I mean, it's possible. Well, half the other people are British, so wouldn't wouldn't be out of the no. It's true. It's a possibility. Other uh, people are British. That's your fact for the night. Other people. <laughs> a lot of other people on this show. It's called Jamie McShane. Okay, here we go. I got it. Okay, so we can put it in. I guess right here if you want. Um, Jim, let's go with you next because you, you're going to be jumping to the Facebook things in a minute. Then I'll read Aaron's, then Rich, and then I'll give mine. So that way we have breakups between everybody talking. <clears throat> Sound good? Okay. Sure. I don't want to break up. We're breaking up with you, Chubb. Gotta... No! You got to break up to make up. Hey, man, you spend too much time stalking Emily Bettricard outside of her home. We can't be part of that lawsuit. <laughs> okay. 